Marcus Garvey once said that a people without the knowledge of their past history, origin, and culture is like a tree without roots. Looking at our history is a powerful thing. In today's episode, we are going to dive into Pentecostal history with an absolute legend and somebody that I respect more than words can say. Thanks for tuning into the Noteworthy Podcast. I am your host, Nathan French. Thanks for joining this journey. Let's go. It was one of the most nerve-wracking days of my life. Standing before the Georgia District Board, 20 years old, my knees shaking and my voice even more so, because these were men that I respected. Men of God, preachers of the gospel, presbyters, district board members. I tried my best to articulate and answer every question just right. I did my best. I'll never forget the moment when I felt like my nerves almost couldn't take it anymore. Bishop B.S. Cole stood up. He grabbed his cane, he stood tall, and he said, I would like to say that Nathan French is one of the finest young men I've ever met in my life. If I could print out a license right now and give it to him, I would do it. And he sat down. Instantly, my nerves calmed down because an honorary board member had approved me in front of all of those men of God. I am forever indebted to the Cole family. They are the reason that we even ended up in Georgia in the first place. And so Bishop Cole passed last year, and we miss him every day. And I thank God for him. That's one of my most fond memories of him. Just to cut to the end of the story, I did end up getting approved for my license, thanks to Bishop Cole helping calm my nerves. Today, we have a very special guest, Sister Rachel Cole. Seven and a half years ago, God called my family to Jonesboro, Georgia, where I currently serve as youth pastor at Apostolic Tabernacle. And uh, Brother and Sister Cole started this church over 50 years ago. And getting to sit down with Sister Cole and have this conversation is one of the highlights of my year so far, and I know that you are going to enjoy it. Sister Cole caught me after the episode, and she said, let me tell you something. Brother Wheatley pulled me aside one day and said, I would like you to be the ladies' auxiliary director. And she looked at him and said, Brother Wheatley, if it's not the district superintendent, I don't want it.
Saints, we are here in the conference room at Apostolic Tabernacle, the greatest church on the planet. And uh, Rachel and I are here. It is such an honor to be with Sister Rachel Cole. And um, what an honor to be here in this room with you because uh, Brother and Sister Cole were the reason that the French family even ended up here in Georgia. So what an incredible I, honor. I like, I baked it different. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was God. It was God, yes. It was God. Amen. I am so thankful that God um, allowed our paths to cross because it forever has changed um, my family's life, my life. I found my wife here in Georgia, praise God. Uh, Judah was born here in Georgia. We're in our eighth year here at Apostolic Tabernacle. And uh, wow, this is just a delight. And so um, I wanted to just kind of go way back, okay? And y'all listening, we're just sitting with a well of knowledge and history, um, some of the greatest stories about revival you will ever hear is sitting right here in front of me right now. But let's let's go back just a little bit. And uh, were were you were you born in Georgia, or where were you born? I was born in Mississippi. Mississippi, okay. And Boonville, Mississippi, up north of Tupelo. Tupelo, okay. Was in a Red Hot Revival. My daddy was an evangelist. And your daddy's name? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your dad and um, Tupelo Children's Mansion? Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? My dad was just young minister starting out, pretty much, and then. Well, he and Mother uh, got married. They were both evangelists, and they got married and boarded the train and went to Texas to see some of his family to preach out there and tell them about the truth of Pentecost and everything. And uh, so he met Brother Lonnie Hush while he was out there and left Brother Lonnie Hush with the service of the people that he had gathered in it. And then later, Brother Hush became our first superintendent of the Tupelo Children's Mansion. Wow. That is so amazing. So, um, and so you were you were born in Mississippi. So what brought you here to Georgia? How did how did this all happen? Mm-hmm. Well, my daddy traveled back and forth a lot, you know. Bob was born in Texas. Paul was born in Georgia. And I was born in Mississippi. So they went all across the southeastern part of the United States before I was ever born. Wow. Okay, so when did you end up moving to Georgia? Well, the first time we came, I was about three years old. Mm -hmm. We came to Porterdale. Dad had already been here. And that's when he had his little spanking. <laughs> they didn't like him. Right. They didn't like The doctors were losing their business, and the preachers was losing their congregation. <laughs> wow. And they didn't like him too much. Really? So they got a bunch of... You hadn't heard that story? No. Oh. That's the story where they, they took him down to the Yellow River. And he thought they was going to throw him in there. They didn't like it because he was preaching that damnable doctrine. And you're talking about your father right now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm talking about him. And uh, so 
something happened. Some of the children were getting some real bad disease. I forgot what they call it, but uh, anyway, one of the minister, one of the saints' children, and I won't call names, mm. but uh, <laughs> that their child died. But mm. the doctor had already lo- lost four, five, six children in the neighborhood and didn't know what to do for them. And uh, colitis or something like that, that they had something. And uh, so anyway, they uh, told my dad to get out of there. And the doctors didn't like him because he was getting all of their people. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. so anyway... They had already had two or three to be healed. Wow. Without. And so this little girl, her father was a big deal in in the church. And uh, so he and her brothers got my dad, come in and got my dad. And uh, ten men, they took him off down to the Yellow River. And they were going to... He thought throw him in, but he asked him. Could there was a log line there, and he said, "Could we have prayer? I like to pray before." Mm. He thought they were going to kill him, and oh my so wow. they let him pray. And he started praying. He was praying for these men that was here. They didn't know anything about it, and he asked God. Said, "Whatever they do, said it's all right with me, but just please forgive them." And, and wow. save their soul. The men got so mad, they they started lashing on his back while he was still there. Said he felt the first uh, first blows, and he thought, "Oh, I can't stand this." And then after that, the Lord just gave him peace, and he didn't. He just felt the, the bumps, but he he never he didn't feel My the pain. Goodness. But his back was bleeding and in a bad way, and. Uh, so anyway, the men had to take tweezers to pull his shirt out of when when he got back to where they were, pull his the blood out of them I and the his shirt out of it. Anyway, they told him to go back to Mississippi. They didn't want him here, but and sent him to 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 the airport in Atlanta, and he walked from there to Covington or close to Covington. And he met a man that was going to take it, took him the rest of the way. They were out looking for him. Wow. And uh, so they took him back down there, and he baptized those people. And the very river that's supposed to cause infection in his body, he was healed instantly. Mm. I mean, he was healed. The scars were still there because many years later when he went to die and he was at our house, my husband lifted his back and he said, Rachel said, have you ever seen your dad's back? I said, no. He said, it looks like spaghetti mm. all across there. I said, it's just no no oozing, no nothing. You know, Jesus even still had the scars. Right, yeah. And But he was healed in three days. He mm. was healed. It wasn't nothing but scars that they felt. Yeah. So... It wasn't too much of a miracle, I guess. So when he when he baptized him, you know, Dad was the same way. He didn't have no more problem with oozing, his back oozing. Wow, blood. That's amazing. 
See, stories like that are absolutely priceless. Absolutely priceless. And so um, every day uh, that I wake up, I miss Bishop Cole. Oh, I do too. Yeah, I know. And uh, we lost him last year. And I still, every time I walk into church and I'm leading worship, I look down and I see where Bishop used to sit. Never missed a Sunday morning, never missed a Sunday night, never missed a Wednesday night, never missed a Tuesday night. If the doors were open, um, he was here. And so when I see that spot, every time I come to church, I miss him. But um, why don't you uh, uh, tell us a little bit about how you and Bishop Cole met. I'd love to hear that story. Well, I was in Bible school. Well, I had I had seen it when I was in in grammar school, down in the school down from the church. But he didn't. I didn't even think anything about him. He just played wasn't, with the, wasn't impressing you too no. much. <laughs> he was with me. Uh, <laughs> the Pope boys and played ball with them when mm. they were in grammar school. Right. And then, uh, and it so happened, well, that's another story. No, but go any- ahead. Anyway, uh, when uh, I came home from Bible college and I was there, I had to go back the next year, but I was home and he was standing out in front of Brother John Smith's store. It was across the street down the street a ways, over across from the Pope's house. And uh, he was standing out there in front of the the uh, store, and I was with Dar's Pope, and I said, who in the world is that? Mm-hmm. And she said, that's Benny Cole. I said, that's Benny Cole? And she said, yeah, well, I don't know if something happened, but anyway, <laughs> I didn't say no more to him then, but mm-hmm. he started sending me little crack, sending me some Russell Stover candy. Oh, <laughs> something started happening. Wow. And and so he write me letters and so forth, but when I came home, he's, he's been coming to church, but he still didn't have the Holy Ghost. Mm, okay. But what he would do, he'd come to church on Sunday morning, and he'd have to leave just as soon as church was over because he was going to play county ball. He was on the ball, a county ball team. and He, he played softball? Yeah. Mm-hmm. His daddy loved to play yeah, softball with Bishop softball, it. right? He really loved it. Yeah. yeah, he did. And um, that was just his God, nearly, mm-hmm. because he had to do that. And he'd come back Sunday night then, and he would stay till 12 and 1 o'clock seeking for the Holy Ghost. And wow. he still didn't get the Holy Ghost. And the whole year I was going back to school, he still didn't get the Holy Ghost. So I come back that next summer, and uh, he still hadn't got the Holy Ghost. And so I had come back to stay then. I was going to look for me a job. And Mother said, uh, I mean, Mother asked me, said, uh, I told her I was going to Rockmark with her and going to go to work, find me a job up there. She's and, and help her with her new work that was they was bringing. And she'd had uh, Bible studies up there and mm-hmm. had several come in. And right. two or three of them felt like they felt called to preach, but they wanted Mother to build a church and everything, and they were going to help her. And uh, 
So whenever I told her I'd go up there and help her with that new work up there, she said, well, Rachel, what you going to do about Benny? I said, if God don't want him, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, okay. So Amazing. she left me up there the weekend, came back back to Atlanta to the church down here because she she was down there uh, helping Dad on, on the weekends and would go up there through the week. And <clears throat> so... She called me about 12 o'clock that night, and she said, Rachel, guess who got the Holy Ghost tonight? I'd put in for jobs, and I was supposed to see them on Monday. And uh, she said, guess who got the Holy Ghost tonight? I said, Benny Cole. And she said, yes, and did he ever get it? Said he was on the floor furniture. Oh. He'd rolled all over them from the man's oh, side man. over to the Holy floor. It was, it was February. It was January the 22nd he got the Holy Ghost wow. on my dad's birthday. And so he he got the Holy Ghost that night, and they said he really got it. Well, the next day, that was Monday, I didn't go get the job. <laughs> right. I came to Atlanta. <laughs> right, right. I said, well, I'll get a job in Atlanta. So it was a good thing I did because I got the job with Mr. LaCroix. And what was, what was the job again? What, what job did you have in Atlanta? I was, I was the secretary to Mr. Roy LaCroix, who was ex-mayor of Atlanta. Oh, okay. Who was uh, a lawyer. And, That's uh, interesting. And said several little things that he did. And so I was just his little clerk, clerk typist, but... Then I left and went somewhere else to church. Well, that's not, yeah. that's another story sure. anyway. So you oh, you've met Bishop and the the Russell Stover candy has been sent and the, <laughs> he's wrote. Did he write the you? Holy Ghost t- tell me about the, Bishop. Did he write still you? Still my favorite candy right <laughs> now. <laughs> and then the the letters he would write you letters. Is that right? Yeah. He'd, he'd write letters, but... Uh, I'm hung up on that now because I'm just so, like, sappy about the thought of Bishop Cole and his uh, his way of reaching out to you and trying to let you know that he liked you, you know, and everything. Do you still have any of those letters? Huh? Do you still have any of those letters? I, I saw some the other day, but I'm, I'm just going through some things that I hadn't uh, gotten really together yet yeah you are so good about keeping documents and keeping up with things I used to be <laughs> organizing and um, I have experienced um, you know at the church seeing the way that you organize things here but I've mm-hmm. also been to your house so I've seen um, monuments that you keep mm-hmm. you know that you've held on to I mean you even brought a few things tonight that are special that no one in the world has except for you because you know those are special things that could have disappeared but you kept record of them and I I'm think so that glad is you did. so wonderful. I'm so glad you did. And I also you were um, referring to your job working with the attorney but um, I also am aware of your educational background as well and you do have a college education I have my degree you yes. have a degree can you tell us about that well I 
worked some in the school, and then I got my degree a little after that so that I could uh, really be, you know, if yeah. they come and check me, I would at least <laughs> yeah. have a degree. Do you, do you, what did you go to school for? What did you study? Uh, well, uh, I studied business, mm, business, business arithmetic and stuff like that, and I went to commercial high, but I had a bad experience with one of my teachers in in business education after I come back from uh, from to, uh, Missouri, and uh, she she didn't like me somehow. <laughs> oh, wow! And, uh, I can't imagine. So I, can't I wanted imagine to get that out of you. her mm. class, and she wanted to know what I wanted to take for my going into high school. I said, "Well." I said, can I take algebra and still go to commercial and be, you know, have, get my degree in in business education? She says, well, I guess so, but you can't even, you can't even pass uh, business math. I don't know what you think you're going to do with This doesn't sound like a very nice person. You'll take your diploma and be like, I have to be paid for this as I can. Wow. Wow. I am very, I was, I'm so impressed with everything that you do. I mean, everything that I've ever witnessed you do from public speaking to things that you don't even share with people that you have accomplished in your life. And I find out about it and I just... I'm more and more impressed every day. I mean, and another thing, and you can tell Nathan if you want this, you know, removed out of the podcast, but um, another thing that I know that is maybe very top secret and you don't want to tell anybody, so you just tell Nathan if you don't. But I also know... I will not edit this out. (laughs) (laughs) I also know that you have written a book. Well, I I wrote a part of it and, well... The reason I did is because Brother Urshan told me, he said, you have got to write the book for your dad. And I said, I don't know, I'll, I'll try. And then I got to working in it and got 13 chapters of it, had it all fixed out to what they'd be in the, right. and everything. And uh, so Brother, uh, hmm. Brother Drury offered to finish it, said he would love to. His wife was doing a, her uh, degree and mm-hmm. getting it, doing it for her degree. Oh, okay. And uh, so he wanted to take it. So I brought everything I had and gave it to him, Dad's diaries and all this kind of stuff. But I've got all a lot of his diaries still. I wrote it wow. down myself, went through it, how many times he stayed in the car and how many times he slept in the car. And all wow. That. But but anyway, he he has that still, but he had a lot of things going on up there that oh, yeah. he didn't have a chance to finish it, but he told me he's almost finished it. Wow. He's going to talk, talk to me about it the next time we see him. I am and, so uh, excited. I can't wait to read that. I have read it. I have had the privilege of reading the first 13 chapters that you have written. Oh, really? You have. You brought it to me, and I, I read through it and uh, just a few years ago, three years ago. And I have been anxious and patiently waiting because I am so 
excited for this book to be published. And it has stories like what you were explaining about your dad earlier on about things that he endured. I remember you reading about it and telling me yeah, about telling it. Yeah, telling you some of the stories. And I heard Bishop, uh, he preached and he mentioned it one time when he was yeah. preaching, but I've never heard the, the full story. Um, and so that's that's well, amazing. that would tell you the full story. <laughs> wow. That's very well That's written. a book that absolutely has to be released. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm going to get after him if he doesn't. My my niece wants to publish it. I think mm. Brenda she has oh. already she has already read some of it. And she says, "Hey Rachel, it's got to be done." Said, "I'll yes, do it." <laughs> it definitely needs to be done. That's for sure. I'm excited. So you've you've met Bishop, and now you're dating or you're courting. And so, when did y'all decide to get married? <laughs> oh, I love the that math. is a whole different story. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Tell me about it. Did he did he propose or did you did no, you both just talk about me, it? He asked me one night after the watch night service. We he wanted to talk to me and wanted to step into our living room, which was on the back of the church back there. And so he asked me, he said, Rachel said, will you, will you get married if we'll get Bob and Wanda to go with us and uh, we'll get married together? Well, Mother was up Rock Mart then, and she wasn't even there for me to tell. And so I said, well, that was a Sunday night. She had started going up there on the weekends because they built the church up there. And so, uh, so... I told him, I said, well, if Bob wanted to go, and Bob hadn't even asked Wanda. She, he hadn't even called her. She had been some places. He'd been news president, so she had, while well, Benny was gone to to college, Bob had been youth president of the section, and so he had talked to, to Wanda some. Was Wanda played the piano and was very talented. We sang together and all, and he said, and so he was going down, going to ask her. So we got in a swing or something after we got down there. And uh, he asked her, and she knew, she found out was coming, so she kind of thought that probably what it was. So she had things already halfway packed. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. And so so we went, and he, he asked her while we were swinging on the swing. We went back and got her clothes and we took off. They had called uh, ahead to to Valdosta and got a the justice of the peace, his wife, and they met us. And uh, we were each other's witness. And the, the his the wife was too. His he had his wife to come and witness our marriage. And wow! So we got married. That's special. That's sweet. That's so sweet. Wow. And so now you guys are married, uh-huh. and um, when did Bishop start to feel the call to preach on his life? Was that before you were married, or was that I'd after? I'd already told the Lord I'd marry, I'd marry 
whoever, but I, I sure didn't want to marry a preacher. <laughs> Boy, a did preaching God mama. get you. I had a preaching mama. I had a preaching daddy. I had two preaching brothers, and I was the only black sleep in the family. And, and here we are in, in the church that you y'all started over 50 years later right now. So God sure has a sense of humor. But so, so you were... Were you already married when he started to talk about that call on his life, or was that before you were married? It, it was after we were after. married. After, okay. Yeah, because he was just going to be a good little saint in church. I wanted a saint, but I didn't want to yeah. preach. <laughs> so, so how long were you all married before he started feeling that that call? Mark, I mean, Danny, Steve, Steve was born. Uh, oh, wow. Uh he he began to feel it, and then when Dad wanted us to go, then he decided to go to go to Bible college. Then, and after he went to Bible college, he acknowledged his uh, his calling. So how old? It was do you all think? right by then. Though, yeah. Was <laughs> Where how? did he go to Bible college? Huh? Where did he go to Bible college? Tupelo. Tupelo. Okay. PBI Pentecostal Bible Institute. Oh, PBI. Okay. Wow. Okay. We called it Peanut Butter Institute. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, so, so he's at Peanut Butter Institute. And then he's, so he graduated from Bible school? Yes. Okay. And then um, how old do you think he was? 24. He was 24. Okay. 24. And when he accepted the call and came back and got his license. And uh, from then on, they that was all history back there. When he started feeling, because I know this is a subject for a lot of, we have a lot of young ministers that listen to this podcast. And so uh, I know they would be blessed to know when he started feeling that call on his life, did you notice any any changes or was he just still faithful, still everything that he was, well, but he just was with the call? he was a man of prayer before then, mm. but he really started to... Uh, there was a change begin to, and I could tell that he was getting closer to the Lord, and things were happening. Of course, I was too, because I was afraid he was going to be a yeah. preacher. <laughs> so when did he preach his first sermon? Man, you know, I don't know that. I don't remember. He he wasn't a pastor. Did he preach um, as, before no. he was a pastor? Was it before he was a pastor? Well, I think it was in Bible school, and they had some of them to go out sure. and do some some preaching. He did he did some of the sessions oh, in Bible school. Ministered. He started to learn, okay. and uh, that makes they sense. They would send them out and let them let them preach. So. Now, bishops, um, I, I may have this detail a little bit wrong, but bishops' um, father and mother were they both? Uh, deaf. They were deaf, and well, his mother was three years old when she had risings in her ears that, when they burst, she was not able to hear. After that, and both of them couldn't hear. He couldn't because he was just a few months old when he had. Wow. And then they met in this speech school, wow. and uh, and and could they? Could they speak? Could they communicate? Or did they just do just sign? on the hands. Because I remember, um, I'll never forget uh, Bishop Cole. Um, he caught me one time. Every every time I would preach, even if I did absolutely awful, he would come hug my neck and say, you did, 
you did good tonight, son. And he'd shake his finger and he'd go, but don't get a big head about it, you know, like he would do. <laughs> and don't get a big head about it, but you did good tonight. And he was always such an encouragement. I'll never forget one night he shared that with me. And he told me, he said, my, my mother and father were never able to tell me they loved me. Yeah. But I saw it in their eyes every day. Oh, yeah. And I never, I never forgot that. It just really uh, stood out to me. So here Bishop had parents that, you know, uh, you know, nothing about public speaking. Probably this was all, he wasn't raised in the church. Uh, and so this, now he has this call to preach on his life. And I'm sure he feels like, where do I, where do I begin at this point? You know, because I've, I've been raised in a minister's family. And so when I felt the call to preach, I had so much direction in my life of people yeah. around me. But and I know Bishop probably did too, but he wasn't raised in that. Was Did he reach out to other ministers or friends, or how yeah, did he learn? I don't know. They just came to him. Honey. The Lord just set people in his life the right voices. Yeah. That's yeah. so amazing. And so well, now... Dad was very instrumental in helping him. Yeah, oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah he, was, he was really there for him. And, of course, Bob was too. At that point. So Bishop is, is, he feels the call to preach. And so Apostolic Tabernacle is 53 years old, 54 years old. I don't have the, I know it's over 50 years. I, I know we had our 50 year celebration. Year maybe 53. Might be 53 this year, right around 53 or 54. Yeah. Um, where, when did this all Begin. When did Bishop start feeling the call to to pastor a church? Well, he pastored a church. His first was uh, it was Griffin in Griffin. Wow. Uh, he was helping Bob, and Brother Spears called him and asked him, "Would he come and just keep his church?" going because he was felt he had to give it up. He wasn't able to go on, but he wanted the people to have somebody, and they didn't know anybody. Would he come and uh, take the church and until they could get a permanent pastor? So he was down there two or three years. That's where Joy was born. Wow, Joy okay. was born in Griffin. We were in going Griffin. back and forth. We were, I was working, and he was working, and we'd do our work here in Atlanta and drive down to Griffin and back and uh so we did that for a year or two until a years there. a pastor came so that was his first experience serving as a pastor for serving as a pastor yes and then uh so but he served the youth and did some preaching around but gotcha. he did not uh, pastor the church he served the youth in the district yes Okay, as the youth president, that, is right. that right? Okay. Well, he did while we were in the Florida. They they voted on one year. This this guy wanted to give it up, and when he got it, that he he decided to want it back. Okay. <laughs> so that was fine with us, you know, because gotcha. we okay. going back and forth and around. <clears throat> I may be wrong. When was the? I believe I read something earlier. When was the Atlantic District? You were we were talking about that earlier. He was meeting in Brunswick. 
And then is, did a district form at around that, that was time? after we, after, well, this, this the was. The youth camp. Yeah, that's what we were talking yeah. about. The first youth camp in Brunswick. That's the first. Right, so for 19, you guys listening, we, we have a picture in front of us. The very first. Youth camp in 1960 in Brunswick, Georgia. And he Georgia. was youth president. This is an incredible picture. Yeah. Where, where are you guys in there? Where are you guys? He in? is there. Wow. And he was serving as youth president. Yes, he was youth president. So Bishop Georgia. was the youth president for the very first Georgia District Youth yeah. Camp. That is incredible. He was president of the newly formed district. Camp meeting and conference were held. This is when the Carolinas were with us. Okay, the Carolinas. Mm-hmm. Wow. The Carolina Crusades, were you guys a part of those at all? I don't think not. No, that was before then. They'd I, already I, become a district of their own at that time. I, I For the listeners, I wish you guys could, could see this. I apologize that this is a podcast format where you can't see it but these pictures are just absolute um pieces of history i mean uh totally breathtaking and so the first youth camp and and so the first camp meeting was a conference held on nowhere road in athens georgia nowhere road (laughs) and it definitely went nowhere That's so funny. Nowhere Road. That's incredible. And so it says District Conference 1960. The first district conference in Brunswick. Is that right? This first, no, that first district conference. Yeah, that was in Brunswick. And represent this, and representatives from North and South Carolina came and got in with us too. North Carolina. Okay. Wanted to come back in with us. Now, Bishop Bishop Huntley, Brother Wayne Huntley, told me that um, Bishop Cole prayed him through to the Holy Ghost. Incredible. That's so cool because I see that Carolina connection here. He was in the second uh, youth camp. This was the first one. The second was in North Carolina. 1961? Yeah, about that. Wow. And so there's all these different district conferences down to... 1967. We go on. This is, if you look at the front, this is a, this is 50 years of 50 years service. of service. This was a, a brochure. Georgia District. From, let me see. I believe it is the Georgia District. Yeah. Wow. 50 years of service. 19th. Celebrating in honor and appreciation of Bishop Benjamin S. Cole for 50 years of continuous ministry service to the Georgia District UPCI, 1954 to 2004 at the time. Wow. He was not one day without an office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he, he always outside the church. Well. <laughs> served as the youth president, the district superintendent. The district. He was an honorary... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, he went... He went. He was youth president. He was a board member of a section. He was a Secretary. Sunday school. Oh, Sunday school. Sunday school, and then he was a superintendent, and then he was secretary. No, he was secretary, secretary yeah. and then yeah. superintendent. And how long did he serve as district superintendent? This tales, I think. 
that was, I know it was, um, Brother Wheatley was serving when I, when I first here, got to Georgia. Here you have. 13 years on the youth committee, six years as editor of the Atlantic Messenger, one year Section 2 Presbyter, seven years Sunday School Director, nine years Section 5 Presbyter, ten years District Secretary, three years Executive Presbyter, and 17 years as a District Superintendent. And all of that... Some of them he While did a pastor. two times, two different things at one time. That's not even including the, the past. That's not even including what we're sitting in right now. And I worked yeah. and he worked. Unbelievable. Was a great husband and great father and great pastor in the midst of all of that. And yet he always was able to treat everyone with absolute kindness and make them feel special one-on-one every single that's time true. he met with well, them. he really did. He loved everybody. Somebody come tell him something wrong with somebody, and he said, "Now wait a minute, you don't know why he, <laughs> yeah. he did that. You you yeah. don't understand." Heart of gold, heart of gold. I've never met anybody else like him, and um, and so after Griffin, is that when when Apostolic Tabernacle was formed, or was there a yeah, gap? Yeah, we came back. No, we came back to the church with Bob and stayed a while, then. Dad wanted to give up the church in Athens, and Mother had gotten hurt and all this. So we took the church in Athens and was up there for three or four years. Four, I think. In Athens, okay. And took Dad's church, came back then, and built a church from Athens. Gotcha, okay. So you came from Athens to Atlanta. Right. Jonesboro. Yeah. And your son is now pastoring in Athens. Yeah. And, and pastoring some of the same people we did years wow. ago. And Aptab was started in Jonesboro. Is that right? Or did it, it start? It started up up in uh, Little Five Points in Atlanta. Yeah. In Atlanta, okay. Yeah. And then... We came uh, to Woodstock. Woodstock. Woodstock Road in Atlanta. Gotcha, okay. And I think I've seen... I've seen a picture of a church yeah, that, that was looked, packed, absolutely packed out. I actually out. have a video going through some pictures of the original building that I can post on our music page if anyone wants to go flip through the book with Yes, me. please. If anybody would like to see some of these pictures, uh, we, we can post it. Uh, and you can also email us at Nathan and Rachel Music at gmail.com, we would be more than happy to share some of these images with you because these are absolutely um, historical, literally historical documents in front of us of um, the revival that happened here in Georgia. Sister Cole, I've got a question that I want to ask you. I am so sad that we're out of time. Um, for, for <laughs> She said good. <laughs> She's been so kind to do this for us. And uh, just we're so honored that you would even sit down and take your time well, to I'm do this. I'm honored that you'd ask me. But, um, you know, for you guys listening, the reason we're out of time is because uh, it's Tuesday night. And every Tuesday night at Apostolic Tabernacle at 730 is prayer meeting. And Sister Cole does not miss a prayer meeting. So <laughs> I'm sure not going to be the reason why you miss it. But this is a perfect segue for my last question. And 
my goodness, we could do a part two on just apostolic tabernacle history because we didn't true. even get to get into it. But um, if I've ever met a woman of prayer, a prayer warrior, it is yourself. And I believe that I'm here, and I'm I'm thankful. I have a I have a mother that prays. I have a yes, wife that do. prays. I just am surrounded by by uh, prayer warriors, and that's the reason I'm here. Uh, <laughs> you know, because uh, that's that's the reason I'm standing here. But um, I believe that I want to leave our listeners with this. Um, I believe that our generation uh, that that's probably listening right now, and I know a lot of. Uh, the elders are probably going to want to listen to this because the, this is history for them. But I believe that what we need a revival of uh, is prayer. Um, that yes. our that our young people, our twenty year olds, our thirty year olds, our forty year olds, that they would pick up uh, the mantle of prayer. And so, would you tell us um, every day what is what is your prayer schedule look like? What do you do every day? When the Lord wakes me up. I go to prayer, and I get my, sometimes it's one thirty, two o'clock, three, four, whatever. When the Lord wakes me up, I start praying, and I pray for my family. I pray for revival and move of God all over, and uh, that's just, just my, and then I use my, I do my uh, devotionals every day. Do you have certain devotionals that? that you read or recommend oh goodness i've got i've got stack that high <laughs> what is what are you reading right now what is i'm reading all your of devotion them. today i read i read uh sister you shouldn't ask oh that's okay, <laughs> that's okay. You don't okay. Have no, to no, no. That. there are so many there are so <laughs> oh, many yeah i got all, i got a bunch of them wow just, I've got five that I do every six I do every day. That's incredible, incredible. I do that every morning. I was doing that when it, before he passed. I'd always get up and do that, and then take care of his his needs and get him ready for the day. And right. If I didn't finish it, then I'd go back to it. Well, you are such an incredible example of of prayer and. I'm not going to keep you any longer, longer but, but would you um, lead us in prayer as we close this out? And Let's I'd pray I'd be together. honored to, to pray with you. Let's all Amen. pray. God, Amen. we're so thankful Jesus. that prayer is the, the very thing that God, we could preach all day, but if we don't have prayer, it's not going to work. And I pray, God, that you would teach us to pray. Teach us, God, what we need to do, and especially those that are just starting out. Let them know, God, that you never did any kind of major thing without prayer. And always it was prayer. And I do thank you today that we can get a hold of that praying and feel the connection of our God with us. And then our prayers and our preaching and our daily living will call, fall into place. 
Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus, and I feel you right now. In Jesus' name, continue to bless Apostolic Tabernacle with a revival that I know you're wanting to do. Thank you, Jesus, for our pastor and his family. I thank so much of them. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Sister Cole, I love you with all my heart. I and love you guys. You mean the world to us. And if there's ever anything we can do for you, we are always here. We are here. Be, uh, our our testimony is forever intertwined with yours. And we thank and God we for know it. That. I believe that. You've proved it for these years that you've been here. Thank you, Lord. And we love you. Thank you. Thank you so much. that that interview blessed you as much as it blessed me. Sister Cole, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. What a incredible honor. In that ending prayer, I don't know how it translated across the microphone, but I want to tell you that uh, as she was praying, not to sound overly spiritual, but Sister Cole grabbed Rachel and I's hands and when she grabbed my hand and started praying it's like I could feel a pulse of power I could physically feel a pulse of power shooting out of her it was like the anointing is so strong on her when she prays so I truly believe that so many of the things God blesses me with is because of Sister Cole's prayers guys I love you Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this was a blessing. Don't forget NAYC is coming up the end of July, first two days of August. Battle Cry Tour coming to Atlanta on May 20th with James Wilson, Brittany Scott, and Court Chavis. Mark those dates down and many more to come. I love you guys. I believe in you. And we'll see you next time.